Hallelujah. I'm Bishop Rick Thomas. I'm the senior pastor here for a season. And um, if you don't know me, we're glad to have all of our guests and uh, visitors today. We're excited you could be with us. It's going to be an awesome time. And, uh, and, and Minister Sean is in Atlanta, Georgia at uh, Pastor Allen and Jenny Meshagan's church ministering there today. And he will be back tomorrow, but he is up there ministering. And we just we sent him a text out, letting him know we're praying for him and believing God to give him a supernatural service today. Amen. We've been teaching on the subject of grace, which is kind of a, a subject that has uh, been brought up particularly in the last, I'm going to say 10 years more so than, it's really years and years ago, the same kind of my, mindset of the subject of grace was taught and they kind of got away from it. And, and then in the last 10 years, this subject has come back again. And uh, the, the whole mindset of the modern day grace message is that, you know, because Jesus said it was finished on the cross, that you don't have to do anything from this point on. And that ultimately God doesn't want anybody to be lost and everybody to be saved. And that if you, if you have failures, you don't need to confess your sin. That that was not written to believers. So they, they take scripture out of context and where it says if you, you, know, if you, if you confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive you. Which was written in John. It was written to the church. It was written to people that were, they were going through some things that helped them walk through those, those troubled times. And, and they've come along and they've, they've recreated a whole doctrine and tried to discount that book as it was to unbelievers rather than believers, which is impossible if you really read it for the way that it is laid out. So I felt necessary to come into our church over the last several weeks and teach on this subject of grace. Then we can look at a biblical principle based upon what, what God had put in place for us so that not to preach against, I'm not here to preach against any other Teacher, I'm here to tell you the word of God based upon the truth that God has given us because the Bible doesn't say you'll know where they're wrong and you'll be free. It says you'll know the truth and you'll be free. So my job is not to teach you falsehoods and tell you where everybody's wrong. My job is to try and tell you the truth so that when you get around that, it's real easy to understand whether it's right or wrong. Amen? I mean, we take our children and we send them to school and they, they learn to read, write, and do arithmetic some places. But anyway, they're supposed to learn that. And once the children learn the truths, for instance, in the numerical scale, if they know that one and one is two, it's going to be hard to tell them when they're 10 years old that one and one is six. Stay with me. Because once you know the truth, you can't ever misguide someone. You understand. And so when we look at that, we, we, we look at things, and, you know, if, you know, and I often said this, that if I had a big black board up here and I, I put a, a white dot on it, this, white, this big black board, you'd look at it and go, well, why is that white dot there? That's a black board. Or better yet, if I put a white board up here and I put a black dot on it, you'd say, what's that black dot doing here? Yeah, that's a white board. Well, what, what do you know? Because you know what the board was before you saw the dot. So what's the purpose of that dot being there? It doesn't belong. And the reason you know it doesn't belong because you know what the truth is. Come on, stay with me, folks. And you've continued my word. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we've been going through that process, and in the process, we, we, we've looked up the, the grace's divine influence of God upon the heart, its reflections in the life, including gratitude, acceptance, benefit, and favor. His goodwill, his loving kindness, his favor. What is grace? Grace is the merciful kindness by which God exerting his divine influence. There's a key flow right there. It's, it's, it's merciful kindness by which God is exerting his divine influence upon the heart. And it's reflection so that life is enabled to do that which is right and proper, pleasant and precious through gracious manner. It's enablement with purpose. We find in the church the, the traditional mindset of grace is this unmerited favor. And when you cross over to that and, and, and accept that it's unmerited favor, then you discount what the Word of God has taught. And we've been teaching on that. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. But the thing that we found out about, about that is that the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus grew in grace. Jesus did not need unmerited favor. Come on, stay with me, folks. If anybody didn't need unmerited favor, it was Jesus. Why? Because grace comes out of Jesus. He was sinless. He's the one by which grace upon grace is given to us. The other side of it we see in the book of James, in the book of Peter, that it tells us very clearly that if you walk in humility before God, and again we get into the definitions of what is humility. 
It is low lying. It is being under the control of another. It means to, to take your, your will and your purpose and, and submit it to another's. But the humility the Bible talks about is we're submitted to God. It's not I that live, but Christ that liveth through me. Humility is not to cow down to everyone who disagrees with you. So he says to those people that walk in humility, in other words, that they submitted to the will of God, more grace will be given to them. So if I can walk in humility and more grace will be given to me, it's hard to say that grace is unmerited because I merit more grace by walking in humility. So that definition doesn't really work there. The definition that does work is the divine influence upon an individual so that they can move in kindness and they can move in generosity and they can move in favor, but they can do it so that they can fulfill their purpose and destiny that God created them for. So when we look at the definition of grace based upon the, the various different, uh, if you will, uh, enlightenments to the, to the word as we look at through the Greek and, and, and through the Hebrew, and we, when we begin to look that up, we find out something that it's enablement of purpose. We understand that, that grace is the empowering presence of God upon an individual's life. Let me say that again, the empowering presence of God upon an individual's life so they can be what God created them to be and do what God called them to do. I don't have to act like you to be right with God. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, thank you, Jesus. Because we've almost in the church world made everybody, we got to all act alike, talk alike, walk alike. You know what I mean? And, and we judge people by if they don't live the way we live. And so there's a fine line drawn there, if you will. And, and, and so we, we have to get away from traditionalism. We have to get away from the law. We've got to move into grace. But that doesn't mean that grace gives us the ability to sin and not worry about it. That's not what grace is. It's empowerment so you can overcome sin. So you can walk in victory. What we looked at is that when we talk about, about those things, the first thing you have to do to receive grace is you have to receive Jesus. As many as received Jesus, then gave you power to become the sons of God. And to those that receive Christ, Jesus gives them grace and gives them grace upon grace. So we understand that in order to receive Jesus, there's a condition for me to be able to even get to the place to where grace comes to me. Salvation, listen to me, even though it's not by works of righteousness we've done, but by God's mercy are we saved. We're saved by mercy, but I can't even tap into the mercy till I meet the condition. You have to meet the condition. Well, Jesus died on the cross. I, no, oh, no, you have to meet the condition. The Bible says as many as receive Jesus, he gives them the power to be something. I have to receive Jesus. I've got a conditional thing. I have to believe before I can receive. So I've got a condition which I have to believe in order to receive. Then when I re what am I receiving? I'm receiving salvation by the mercy of God, which I do not deserve. And even though I don't deserve it, I've got to meet a condition so the undeserved now will be manifested into my life. Oh, listen to you looking at me how crazy. <clears throat> mercy, and we talked about this last week, is positional. Mercy is positional. Get that in your spirit. When I have the mercy of God applied to my life, not by works of, uh, of righteousness, but by God's mercy, I'm saved. That means mercy puts me in a position. If any man be in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old things pass away and all things become new. I now am in Christ. I'm now called a son of God or a child of God or heirs of the kingdom. You understand? So the mercy of God positions me, not grace. We'll talk about that in a moment. Mercy causes me to be forgiven. Mercy causes me to be in the position to possess my salvation. Mercy calls me to be a child of God. Mercy calls me to be accepted in the beloved. Mercy allows me to be seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Thank God 
for mercy. We've used mercy from the standpoint where God didn't kill you, so just be happy you got mercy. No, mercy has nothing to do with whether you get killed or not. Mercy has to do with your relationship with God. It's positional. It's a positional truth. And we as believers have got to understand how these things happen. I get saved by believing in Jesus. Once I believe in Jesus because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I don't have to pay for those sins. Jesus paid for those sins. So by the mercy of God, my sins are are not only forgiven, but I'm now positioned in God. And he says, I take those sins, and they, they are into the sea of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. Now, we move to the term grace, and all of a sudden, people say, well, God's forgiven your sins. That's past, present, and future. That's a funny thing, isn't it? Past, present, and future. Well, let me see. Jesus died on the cross. He suffered the pains of hell. He was resurrected from the dead. He met with the disciples before he ascended, he descended, set captives free, preached to the fallen uh, angels. And then he, he went to heaven, he, made, he, he purified the holy things in heaven. He told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and tarry till you be filled with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> now question, let me ask you this question. When the disciples went to Jerusalem in the book of Acts, they were saved. Let me understand that. Come on, stay with me. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. They were filled with the Spirit. Peter stood up and preached, and over 3,000 people got saved. Come on, turn first and say, they were all saved. And so the work on the cross, if it was finished, past, present, and future, why did Ananias and Sapphira die when they lied to the Holy Spirit? I thought they were forgiven already. Just a thought. You see, you see how this thing gets confusing? The Bible says because I'm positioned right with Jesus, I have the right to activate the fact that I'm in a life, that I'm going through this life. I'm not know what I'm, I shall be like, but I will be like him when he shall appear. It says that I'm being changed from glory to glory. And the idea is that if we sin willfully after we receive Jesus, there's no more forgiveness of sins. But when you study that verse, he's talking about if you develop a lifestyle of continuous sinning, then you've never understood the revelation of Christ. Because if you understand the revelation of Christ, when you sin, you're so sick to your stomach. You're upset over the fact that I offended God. See, the new grace message says you don't have to repent. No, I got news for you. You have to repent. In fact, the Bible says that if you confess your sin, he's faithful to just forgive you and cleanse you from right. In other words, if I confess, it's, a, it's an ongoing process that if any failure were to come in my life, I'm willing to recognize it, put my finger on it, and say that is not of God. That is wrong. I'm walking away from that thing. God, forgive me. What we've done in the church is we've tried to make everybody so welcome in the church, there's no responsibility. Folks, it don't work that way. I said it doesn't work that way. The Apostle Paul made this statement. He said, after having preached to you, if you should see me as a reprobate or a failure, you keep living for God. What was he talking about? I didn't think he could fail. If I take the modern day message of grace, he could never fail. Why would he say stuff like that? Because that's not what modern day grace is, or the grace message is. The modern day grace message is a type and shadow of what they're trying to bring to the level of the church that is universal salvation for everybody. Which happens is you can fill your church with the message and you can all go to hell together. I'm being real serious now, folks. Because we're going to get into something that's really good today, but I want us to get the foundation laid that we, we, we clear the air. And I mean, we could, we could do a whole class on this for a year and not cover the subject. I mean, I, I'm kind of highlighting things. But mercy is position and sonship. Grace is transition and relationship. Grace is transition 
and relationship. I said grace is transition and relationship. As we've talked about before, and I'll, and I'll throw it back out just as a reminder, all you've got to do is read the, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 deals with your position. It deals with what the mercy of God has done for you. 4, 5, and 6 deals with your transition. It shows you how grace empowers you to walk in victory. And by the way, if I take the modern-day mindset of grace, I don't have to put on the armor of God because God's already got it taken care of. So why would I put on the armor of God? You might stand against the wall. Why should I worry about that? It's all covered. But God has given us the tools that we can walk in our heritage and be victorious. Glory to God. I say glory to God. And the enemy wants to challenge our identity. See, if he can challenge you as to who you are in Christ, you cannot operate in the victory that God has called you to operate in. See, he wants to challenge that identity so that he can mess with your transition. And remember, we gave the illustration in the book of, of uh, Genesis. We got to type in shadow. What happened to Adam and Eve? The serpent, they were put in the garden, empowered by God, empowered by God to till the ground and to guard and protect it against the intruder. To guard and protect it. The enemy comes, challenges their identity. When they lost their identity, the transition for their future changed. God never intended for them to leave the garden. <laughs> That's the reason I struggle when people say to me, well, God doesn't want everybody blessed. But you don't believe the Bible. It was never God's intention for man to ever go through any of this. All you've got to do is read the book of Genesis. You understand that very clearly. When he put man in the garden, chapters 1 and 2, you sit there and scratch your head and go, what is wrong with these people? Chapter 3, she comes along and, and listens to the serpent goes to her husband, and we find the book of Hebrews that her husband knew that she was wrong, but he went along with her anyway. What is wrong with the two of these people? <laughs> I'm serious. It's the woman you gave me. No, you knew, but you went along with it anyway. Fascinating. So now we have to go through the whole process of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, he pays the penalty. He lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross. He sheds his blood. Then it says Satan immediately took him when he died on the cross and took him into the annals of hell itself. And it says, and tried to birth him into hell with the birth pains, Odin, birth pains into hell. Then the Holy Spirit, according to Romans chapter 1, entered into hell itself and said, I don't think so. He became his advocate. Glory to God. And he was sinless. So he was resurrected from the dead. We wouldn't have had to go through all of it, but he had to go through that so that you and I could now walk in the victory he gave us. And he empowers us. He says, I will go to the Father and I will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the agent that comes from Jesus that empowers you with the grace of God so you can be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do. In other words, if I really allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom in my life, there's nothing that I cannot have victory in as long as it's according to the purpose and will of God for my life. Wow. Wow. Everybody's created to walk in victory. <clears throat> well, Bishop, I don't know about that. I was on the plane. <clears throat> it's been back... A few months ago, I had to go to New York and, and speak, and we were on a plane. And I get on the plane, and we're, we're flying in first class in the plane area. And uh, I'm sitting down on my seat, and in comes this family with two kids, two little small kids. So two kids come in. They want to sit in the front seat in the first class. And the mother goes, oh, no, no, we don't sit. That's not our place. We're in the back of the plane. And that was true because that's the seats they bought, you understand. But I thought to myself, wasn't it amazing? See, the kids had to be taught how to sit in the back of the bus. Let that sink in. You know why? Because they were created to sit in the front of the bus always. 
You're called to be more than a conqueror. You're called to be an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. You're called to be the head, not the tail. You're called to sit with Jesus in heavenly places. Grace is the empowerment. And when you understand grace in a proper fashion, you understand I have the power to live that life of victory. Romans chapter five, verses 17 through 21. Let's put that up on the screen, please. For if by one, there, come on, let's go back to it again. Get it, you got it? For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. That's important we get something here as we read this. For by one man's offense, death reigned, in other words, ruled. Everybody say ruled. So when Adam and Eve failed, death, because of sin, ruled over mankind. But when Jesus came, it says, much more those who received abundance of grace. Jesus gave it grace unto grace, John chapter 1. It says, and of the gift of righteousness will do what? That means you're going to be busy. If you're going to rule over something, if you're going to reign over something, that means you're in charge. So if I'm ruling and reigning, I'm active. I'm working, which goes against the whole term of the grace message, modern day grace message anyway. I don't have to do anything. Not, it no works. But you can understand in grace, you have to work because you've got to rule and reign as Jesus ruled and reign. I think sometimes we think Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's up there and he's got his hand together and he's doing his thumbs like this. Well, I can't wait till I go back to receive the church. Man, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do till then because everything's done. Oh, I know I told them to ask anything in my name, but they don't, you know, they're already saved. They got grace. They don't have to ask anything. Oh, I told them they could lay hands on the sick, but they don't really need to do that because they've got grace. I just, you know, Father, I'm really bored. Is there something I can do? No, we're supposed to lay hands on the sick. Come on. We're supposed to pray one for another. We're supposed to cast out devils and demons. Come on, stay with me, church. We're supposed to walk in victory. We're supposed to minister one another and supply to one another's needs and, 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 and bless one another. Amen? Reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Next verse, verse 18. Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteousness, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Next verse. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, by, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Next verse. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where the sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Next verse. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The key word there is reign. Active, authoritative. We're to move in that, in that place because where sin abounds, grace does much. In other words, no matter how strong sin may get around us, we have the authority to rule over it. Don't tell me the devil made me do it when you say you have Jesus living in your heart. You did it because you wanted to. Because if you said no to it, you have the authority not to. This temptation thing, well, I can't help my, yes, you can. When you received Jesus, he gave you the ability to deal with things like that. The problem we have in man, uh, mankind is we love sinning. We like it. And we get saved and we know it's wrong. Then it really, our body goes into tilt mode because I like doing this and you shut up. You rule your body. Your body doesn't rule you. Tear down imaginations. Hey, you tear down imaginations. Cut off some of the junk you're listening to. Quit watching some of the stuff you're watching. Quit hanging with some of the people you're hanging with because you're filling your mind with stuff that you, it makes it difficult. 
But you've been empowered by grace to overcome that. You have the authority. The presence of God in a believer's life is John chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Turn there if you would, please. But as many as received him, to them gave him power to become the children of God. Those who believe in his name, there's the condition. Next verse. We were, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Next verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. Next verse. John bore witness of him, cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Next verse. And of his fullness, we have received a grace, empowerment. What is that? Empowerment for empowerment for me to be what he created me to be and do what he called me to do. In other words, I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. By the grace of God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Next verse. Can we go to that? Can you pull up 17? I didn't tell you that before, but I believe we want to go there. No, I don't. 16 would stay there. I'm sorry. Okay, go to Ephesians chapter 4. And of his fullness, we have received grace. For, no, go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is the one body, the one spirit, just as you were called into one hope and one calling. Go to the next verse. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Next verse. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Next verse. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Ooh. Gift. Each one of us has gifts that have been given to us. And the empowerment of God's presence and influence upon you is upon that gift that God has given you. You, you, you understand. I love singing, but I don't have the gift. I can carry a note. I can carry a tune. I, I don't sing off bass. I, I, I can see you right with the group. But I don't have the gift. I'm just being honest with you. So I can pray for the next 15 years, five hours a day, and I still will sing no better than I sing right now. <laughs> Learn your gift. It always amazes me how people want to get out of their gift because they think there's something else over here. Businessman I knew years ago, a number of years ago, way back when, so gifted in the area of business, gifted in the area of, of uh, how to motivate people in sales and just tremendous salesperson, but gifted in that and how to organize that and did very well. Then all of a sudden he felt he was called into ministry. I said, don't do this. Oh, I know that I've got the gift. I said, no, you don't have the gift for that. Well, people listen to me. I said, I don't care if they listen to you or not. Your gift is they listen to you as long as it's a business. They're not going to pay attention to you when you start preaching. So he went into ministry. He went bankrupt within a year and a half. Went back into business. Moved up north, went back into business. Phenomenal. God began to bless him again. He, he came out of bankruptcy, paid everything off, began to get back on top. Had to go back into preaching again. See, he didn't understand. When you go to certain things and speak and give your testimony, people get saved. That what gave you the platform for your ability to move people was the success in your business and your gift. That made them listen to you. But when you no longer had anything that gave you access, people don't listen to you anymore. Isn't that funny? Gift. Wow. Look at Acts chapter 11, verses 21 through 23. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Verse 23. 
And when he came and see, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them to all that would pur- that would purpose of heart that they should continue that would get this purpose of heart that they should continue in the Lord. What did he see in them? Unmerited favor. What? What? If I look at you and I see the hand of God upon your life, what do I see? I see empowerment that's upon your life for success. I don't pay any attention to people that aren't successful. I don't mean to be ugly about that. I, 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 we're walking through the streets of New York. And it's heartbreaking in the sense that people are sitting there and they're doing drugs and they're sitting on the side of the road. Some of the people had needles in their, in their, through their pants into their legs and passed out. And I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. You understand? See, I, I could see what sin did to them. But I was in Publix yesterday and I'm talking to a guy that's working behind the counter. And I knew this guy was a Christian. And he finally looked over the thing at me because the way he handled himself. And he had to see him, though. He's, he's all tattooed up. He's got these big old arms. He's, and I thought it was really weird. He's got his little hair net on. I'm going, you kidding me? You look like you could break anybody the way you look. And we began to chat in a little bit. And he says, you don't remember me, but I, I, I met you years ago through Trevor. And so we got to chat a little bit about it. And, and I'm looking at him. I said, well, God's done something in your life. He says, yeah. He said, I was, I was in drugs and my life was messed up. And he says, but now I, I, go, I go to a church. I'm head of the, the program to help people that are addicted. You know how I could tell? I could see the empowerment of God in his life. People, if they don't see the empowerment of God in our lives by the way we live, not by what we're running our mouth about, but by the lifestyle we're living. See, you live the life, they see the empowerment, now you've got something to say. Most of us want to say something and got nothing to show. Grace gives you the ability to show off. You don't hear that much in church, do you? You just a big show off. Thank you, Jesus. If I'm showing off the right things, you understand what I mean? They can see what God's doing in my, we should be so excited over what God is doing in our lives that people look at us going, my Lord, how do you get this going? Where do you, where do you get this joy from? Where do you, where do you get this faith? Where does this come from? Oh, I just love Jesus. It's the empowerment of God in upon my life, divine influence for me to take my gift so that people can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Grace. Empowering presence of God to believers to be what they're called and to do what they were called to do. Grace is power, it's transition. The ability, it's the power to transition. Second Corinthians 8 and 9, it's the empowerment for prosperity. Second Corinthians 8, now put that on the screen, please. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through, your, through his poverty you would become what? Mm, 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 mm. But I can't pay my mortgage this month. That don't change that verse. It just means that we, 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 need, to, we need to kind of look at things from a different perspective. God, Listen, God knows how to provide for all of his children. But we've got to get in purpose and destiny. When we get out of purpose and destiny, all of a sudden we wonder why grace is not operational or empowerment is not operational. But when you're operating in what God called you to do, it's like everything you touch and do now becomes successful. You're a teacher, you become the best teacher in the, in the school. You're a salesman, you're the number one person on the road. You're an architect. You've got more ideas, concepts, and strategies than anybody in the company has. You have an empowerment. And as long as you stay in that purpose 
and that gift that God's given you, that grace of God, it will empower you. I said it will empower you for prosperity. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Look at empowerment for victory, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Why? Because by grace, the empowerment of God is all I need. I don't need my personal ability. I just need God's ability. When you think about it, it amazes me. Since I go to missions trips and stuff, and I see people that are highly successful, and I go, they seem like they're dumb as a sack of rocks. But look what they've done. No, I'm serious. We had a young boy in Thailand back in, in 1994. We led him to Christ in the Aka tribe. And he, he'd walk for miles to get to the meetings. Then the next year I went back and he was on a bicycle. Three or four years later, we were back there. He's riding a motorbike. And so I said to the pastor, I said, what, what, what is this young boy doing? He said, he started 12 churches. <laughs> you hear this. I said, what do you mean he started 12 churches? What kind of education? He has none. He can't read or write. I said, well, what does he do? He says, he has someone read the Bible to him and he memorizes it. empowerment, regardless of your inability in self to be what God created you to be and do what God called. Quit looking at yourself and saying, I can't do it. Stop it. It's empowerment of God, not of you anyway. I'll tell you what, that gets chills all over my body when I think about that. When I think about that young guy, that young man, Paul I from Vietnam back in the 80s got saved. He, put, he was put in jail, I forgot how many times, over 30 sometimes put in jail. But he changed the world in which they lived. He wasn't educated. He had no Bible training. He had no one sitting and coach him. He just knew he had an encounter with Jesus. And so he started telling people about Jesus. And guess what? They started getting saved and churches started being established and Empowerment. It wouldn't have been his ability. My goodness. I laugh when I hear stuff like that. I think of Catherine Kuhlman, the weirdest lady I've ever been around in my life. I had the privilege to be in her meetings, but she was weird. Ooh, I feel the angels are here. And then all of a sudden, 500 people would fall out of the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Not because of herself, because herself was goofy. It was the empowerment of God upon her gift. So no matter how goofy you may be, God still wants to empower you to do something great for his kingdom. <laughs> Glory to God. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. <laughs> Ooh. Let me see something. You're a fisherman. You come from no training, no background, but your witness can't be denied. Why? Oh, oh, you've got grace. You've got the empowerment of God. See, you've got to quit looking in the mirror sometimes, folks. I don't know how to tell you this. You look in the mirror all you want, nothing's changing. You're it. I, look, I got up this morning, I looked in the mirror, I was as fat this morning as I was yesterday. <laughs> Bummer. I was as short this morning as I was yesterday. Yeah. I know a lot of you don't have that problem. 
But thank God I don't look at how fat or short I am. I look at what God's called me to be. He's empowered me to be a witness. We walked into a room, and we're sitting in this room. This couple comes over and talks to me, and they said, they quote, this is what he said, quote words. They said, who are you? I said, who you want me to be? <laughs> you know, I said, where are we going with this? Yeah. I said, what would you say to it? They said, well, everybody else in this room, when you walked in, we knew you were somebody. I said, what do you mean? They said, just the way you carried yourself, the spirit about you. I love this. They always say this. You brought an energy with you. <laughs> I got an energy. Energy. I started laughing. I said, I'm just a child of God. I love God. My name is meaningless. It's... So we had a long chat and a long talk. Didn't, they didn't come to Christ, but they, the, the seed was sown. Because you see, you're empowered to be a witness if you're operating in your gift. Glory to God. Acts 14.3. Let's turn to that. Therefore, they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, it empowers you for signs, wonders, and miracles. Wow. Everywhere I go, I should see miracles, because these signs will follow them that believe. See, our power problem is we're looking for miracles. Stop it. Miracles are looking for you. I don't follow miracles. Only Christians follow miracles, because we got none of our own following us, so we go watch somebody else's. Oh, that messes a lot of people up, doesn't it? But you should leave a place and get a call later saying, my God, when you left, you can't believe what happened. Yeah. I, my, my whole goal is in ministry when I travel is not why I'm there, but when I'm gone, I want to hear about what took place after I was there. Then I know whether my ministry was successful. What's going on afterwards? Amen. But signs and wonders and miracles are, are a part of you operating in the gift and in the grace that God has given to you. Look, look, look over here in 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. It says, the gifts that are there, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which is given to you by Christ Jesus. I, I, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus. I thank God always... Well, that means you must have had some kind of effect on somebody's life. Amen? There's something going on here that we, we, need, that we need to see, right? Let, 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 let's, as we look at that, let's go to the next verse, 5. That you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge. I said you were enriched. My goodness. What do you mean? You were enriched. Next verse. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you in the next verse, so that you came or you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not short in my gift. I said, I'm not short in my gift. I might be short in my body, but I'm not short in my gift. You're not short in your gift as long as you let grace empower you. Whew. You know, I, I, th I think all the head people got together and said, you know, it, it, we, we need to spend time in word and pray and studying the word and praying. We need to get some of these other guys and let them wait on tables. What you don't understand is when Stephen was elected to wait on tables, was that was his gift to serve. Oh, God, I'm stepping on toes now. 
But because he was operating in his gift, these signs and wonders followed him and people got healed when he waited on tables. And because he served people in such a capacity, they ended up killing him, but he saw Jesus and he became a witness could not be denied and thousands got saved. But his gift was not preaching in the pulpit. His gift was not evangelizing a city. His gift was not teaching some Bible class. His gift was serving. Folks, when we learn this in the church, that I can stand at the door and see signs and wonders. I, I can be in a parking lot and helping people get, I, I, I can wait on tables, man. I can work in the nursery. I can get behind the scenes of the women's ministry. I can help the men when nobody know that I'm there. Why? Because that's my gift. Why is it we come to church, we've got to try and get out of our gift? Because the church is always looking for people that have success and we end up putting a lot of people in places they have no business being because that's not their gift. And then we wonder why we have problems. I don't know how to tell you this, folks. Your gift in the world system that you use out there that you're so successful at should be the very gift that you're using in the church. See, I, again, I'm not asking this at all I'm not, and, and, and I'm just telling you that I learned a long time ago that if you're a carpenter, the first thing you should be doing is finding out how I can serve the church. What do you need built? What do you need done? If you're an electrician, where do you need to work? What do you need? Why? Because that's your gift. See, we got this crazy idea. Well, I gave my money. I gave my tithe. No, you just gave a portion of your tithe. You didn't give your time. That hurt. See, when you don't use your gift, I have to tie my time, my talent, my energy with my gift. Glory to God. I don't wait for the pastor to come to me and say, you know, I've been seeing you. We really need, we need somebody to, to work over here. No, you should be coming to me saying, you know what, this is what I can do. You need somebody over there? But no, we've got to chase people down, try to convince people. I, mean, I know this is not a popular message. But don't worry, Pastor Sean's preaching next week. Everybody will be happy. <laughs> but when we talk about grace, it's empowerment on your gift. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. In other words, we don't build upon the foundation of Jesus. He says, what was my empowerment to do was to build the church. <clears throat> First Corinthians 15 and 10. I love this one. But by grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> I love that stuff. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. In other words, how did I do everything I've done, the work that I've done? It's because I was empowered by God, his divine influence upon my being, and I am today what I am. You should never tell people who you are. They should identify who you are by the seeing grace empowerment in your life flowing out. Because if it was me, I would be doing something a little bit different. Why? Because that's my, my natural self. There's certain things in the natural that I enjoy doing, but that's not my gift. But the older I get, I really want to, you, you have to fight it. But you have to understand the gift that you got will take you around the world. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 3. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Next verse, that in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. He's talking to a church that is going through a situation in an area that is under a, they're under financial stress, 
But they said, God is empowering us, regardless of our financial stress, to give liberally. Now, that's important. Because we're living in a world right now that our government is trying very hard to empower our nation. Now, whether you like it or not, just look at the stats. And I'm not Republican or Democrat. I, I think all, all politicians, we need to get rid of them all and try it over again. Maybe we start a whole new suit. But the point is, we use the mindset of what's going on in the world to decide what we will or will not participate in in our giving. And I'm not taking an offering today, so everybody relax. But I want us to see something here that's very important. He says to them that God has empowered you, we read that earlier, that you would be prosperous. Here he says, you've got to learn to give, or you, you were empowered by grace to give liberally. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start in verse 7. So let each one give as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or in a necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Next verse. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance of every good work. In other words, if I'm in purpose and I'm in destiny and do what God called me to do, grace is empowering me so that I, I will always having all sufficiency in all things. I will never have to go say, well, I'd love to do it, but I just don't have it. That sounds so spiritual. But it, you don't leave the dime when you're there. Next verse. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Next verse. May he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for you. In other words, God said, if you don't have a dime, but you're willing to operate in your gift, I'm going to make sure something comes into your hand so that you can give. Why? Because God says he's not mocked what a man sows, he's going to reap. God says, I got it by grace. I'm going to get you to the point if you'll trust the empowerment I'll put in you. Multiply the seed you have sown and increase. I love this. Isn't it amazing? He's tied to your righteousness. In other words, living right before God and doing right things. He's tied to that. Increase the fruits of your righteousness. In other words, my ability to perform, he increases. Next verse. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through to us to God. Next verse, if we could, please. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving. People are thanking God. They've seen what you've done out of nothing, and you created something. And they are so blessed, but they're seeing you blessed, and they're giving glory to God. Weren't they the ones? That, oh, yeah, they were the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the ones that, they, that, that didn't, didn't church help them one time and, and help them from losing their mortgage or help them from getting kicked out of their apartment? Didn't, didn't we bring them food one time? Yeah. Well, look at them now. I think about a man years ago in the old property, 1500 North State Road 7. He's a man that... He'd gone back on his relationship with God. I won't go into all the detail with it. That we had an encounter with him. And uh, began to get his life straightened out. He was living in a truck. He had a truck. But he had no place to live. He'd lost everything. He was showering down at the beach at Fort Lauderdale. And finding parking places that he could go to at night that the police wouldn't bother him. He could sleep in his truck. And he started coming to the church. And he started hearing this little short, fat preacher operating in his gift, telling him about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He says, you don't understand my background is I've been totally destroyed by people in the church. That's what caused me to lose my business, what caused me to lose my family. I didn't want anything to do with church. But now you're telling me 
He says, I've never heard this before. I've never heard this mindset before. And he started coming. And he, he said, what can I do? He said, I ain't got any money. I'm trying to get a job. I'm trying to, what can I do? Can I, can I come sweep the floors? Can I come? Seriously. So he would come and he would, he would clean up after prayer. Back in those days, we had prayer every Tuesday and Thursday morning. Tim, you might remember those wonderful days, right? Six o'clock, we're in there. <laughs> Here we go. They were great days, though. But he'd clean up after prayer and he'd come on Sundays early and clean up afterwards and whatever he could do. And God gave him an idea. Funny. An idea of how to deal with some flooring. And he put the idea together. And in less than a year, his business began to grow. In less than three years, he sold it for millions of dollars. The administration of his service not only supplies the needs to the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Why? Because people see how you took your gift, empowered by God. They saw where you came from, and they saw where you went. And they go, my God, I can't deny, because those people aren't capable of doing what just happened. But that's who God is. Musicians come. That's who God is. Grace is so important to our lives. We, we, we look at this, and he talks about the gift of grace. I won't get into this right now, but Ephesians 3 and 7, that's another time altogether. But I think we've done enough in our, our last three weeks in teaching on this subject that we understand that grace is a process in a believer's life. That even though it's an empowerment upon you, is so you can take the gift that God has given to you and take it to the level that God has called you to take it to. There's nothing worse than finishing second every time. Someone said, well, you finished second, you still lost. I was laughing, they were talking about this the, uh, the golf match thing they had going to all the players and all this stuff, and the player wins when 10 million, the second place gets, the guy's gonna get $6 million. If I was the second place, I'd go, I could have had 10. That's just the way I think. Third, four million, I could have had six. See, when you get the empowerment of God flowing through your life, it's not about being second. It's about being victorious in what God's called you to do. And every one of you have been called of God to be victorious. Called of God to walk in success called of God to walk in an overcoming power. Not so people look at you and go, oh, look at it. No. So people say, look what their God is doing in their lives. Look at their marriage. Look at their kids. Look at the way they do their business. Look, look, look. Can you believe what God is doing in their lives? It amazes me when we had gone through our process and, and God spoke to us and said, drop off every group of people you're involved in. Well, they're my source of outside reaching, outside income, sales in my book. Cut them all off for two years. I couldn't even talk to them. People call up, and I just tell my office, they tell them, I, I can't right now. People thought I didn't like them, thought I was angry. I wasn't angry at anybody. God said, I want to show you what I can do with you rather than you going through all of these other things. He made me debt-free. He helped us establish churches around the world. He's given us, I don't know how many young ministers and their wives under our covering it come to us over, uh, I mean, it's well over 20. Whenever we feel like we, God speaks to us, we'll be at a place. We were, we were at a place the other day. In fact, we were, we were on, uh, up in uh, Palm Beach. We were sitting around a pool. And this guy's talking about something, and they're going through this guy that had gone through some difficulty. So I turned to my wife, I said, just give him $500. And the guy said, you can do what? I said, just give him $500. I didn't think about it. 
and another person that we're going through some things. And I told my wife, I said, write him a $5,000 check. And she never goes, what do you? And she said, okay. How can you do that? Because I've been empowered. I, I listen to God. I, I quit all the committees. I quit all of the stuff and let God take me where he wants me to go and blesses me in such a dimension that I can do whatever I want to do, bless God. And I don't say that to pat me on the back and say I'm rich and all that stuff. That's, I'm not saying it. For, what I'm saying is this. Nothing worse than to be with somebody that you know they are true and they need and they, and, and they really are struggling and you look at them and go, well, if I had it, man, I wish I could. Oh, God, do something. I don't care what, just do something. Why? Because you've got to activate the gift. Empowerment. Signs follow the peace people walking in grace. You've been designed, you've got to know that you are designed. Mercy has made you accepted by God. Grace has empowered you to live like you've been accepted by God. Oh, God, help me to live like I really am a child of God. Help me to learn to think. You've got to change your thinking before you can change your action. Thinking. Action. What do I think? I am who I am. I'm washed by the blood of Christ. The mercy of God has made me a child of God. And there's something that comes with being a child of God. I don't know. But I'll guarantee you this. When you know whose child you are, then you know how far you can go. See, when your kids know who their mama is and you lay down the rules, they know what they can and can't do. But you're not raising riding ponies. You're raising racehorses, thoroughbreds. Not raising riding ponies. We're raising thoroughbreds. Church, start raising thoroughbreds. Start thinking that my kids have a right for success. Fascinating. Three years ago, they did a production, Pastor's Appreciation, in which my grandson sang the song from Music Man. Today, he's on Broadway as a cast member of Music Man. If God can do that with a nine-year-old, what can he do with you? Your gift. Oh, I'm, I, I got to say this. Your gift has no age limit. No age limit. Caleb said, Hey, how old are you? Eight years old? Yeah. But I'm as strong today as I was day it started. You didn't complain about me 40 years ago when I helped you take all this, did you? Well, I'm strong today as I was 40 years ago and because my gift in me is to take those mountains. Do you mind if I go with my gift and take my mountains? Some of you need to get back up, shake yourself, and say, you know what? God, make me as strong today in my gift. It's not about my, my body. My body is not as strong today as it was in that sense. I know Caleb said that, but here I want to say my spirit, man, my gift. My gift has no age on it. God, make my gift as strong as it ever was today. Man, let it begin to flow through me. Don't let me grow old in my gift. Don't let me grow old in my anointing. Don't let me grow old in my productivity. Don't let me grow old in my influence. Don't let me grow old in my fruit bearing. God, I am what I am regardless of, uh, of the numerical age. I'm who you said I was. And that never changes. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and Jesus greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world, then my gift has no age. Hey, thanks for watching the Abundant Life YouTube channel. We hope that today's message 
has blessed your life. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's sermon, you can always subscribe as well as share this message with your family and friends. Also, to support the ministry, be sure to hit the giving link located in the description below. Through your giving, we're able to continue to spread the gospel and reach our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Also, you can join us Sundays for all of our stream services on Facebook Live and AbundantLife.tv. And remember this, that God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you today. Take care. <laughs>